0: Powered by Riverside. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 20 of Garage Takes. Do us a huge favor if you have not done so already. Hit that like, subscribe, follow button. Um, hop over to the YouTube channel, to the Garage Takes YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. We greatly appreciate it. Leave us a five-star review. Comment on our stuff. Interact with us. We greatly appreciate it. We are back, Brant, after missing a week last week. My apologies. I was under under the weather, but... Um, here we are, the day after Christmas, and a ton to talk about. Lions, divisional champs. We've got to talk about that. We've got to talk Michigan, Bama. As now we are just a matter of days away from from the Rose Bowl. Super excited about that. But Brant, I want to check in with you first before we hop into the Lions. Merry Christmas, man. How was it?
1: Uh, Merry Christmas to you. No, uh, Christmas was fantastic. Um, you know first one with the little guy uh you know love seeing him come down here open up his gifts he's only an eight month old but um man that was a uh the best christmas that i've ever had i'll put it that way um so yeah just great i wasn't sick which was fantastic as well um <laughs> you know feeling under the weather this time of year that's terrible but uh, i'm glad you're over it and I'm, I'm glad you're ready to get back into things man
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hey man. Yeah, we are, you know, it's been a great season. First of all, I mean, I know we are coming up. This will be our last episode of 2023 season three is not done by any means, but uh, this has been a huge season for, for garage takes. And I know we'll wrap up things in the spring and all of that, but just want to thank everybody for your support this year as we continue to try to grow the podcast and, Especially you, day ones that are out there uh, listening and downloading and doing all the stuff. We greatly, greatly appreciate you. But, Brant, let's hop on in. Brant, the NFC North belongs to the Lions for the first time since 1993. Heck, it wasn't even the NFC North in 1993, um, 30 years. The drought is over. My question to you is, what does this mean right now to this city, this franchise, and just moving forward from here? Is it good enough for the 2023-24 season? Um, Or is there a little bit of meat left on the bone? And should people feel disappointed if this thing comes down and crashes and burns?
1: You are not disappointed. Nobody as a Lions fan can be disappointed. This was the goal of the season, home playoff game. This is all that was beat in the fans' heads. You went on the road. You got it done. Tough road environment. Vikings, average team. We know that. But the average in the NFL can get you any weekend. So, great job. Uh, you know, Jared Goff, Amon Ra showed up in a big way. Uh, running game did enough. So it was it was a great job by, uh, by the Lions to not crap the bed, Dave. Like, I'll put it that way. They played well enough to get the job done. As a fan, you have to be celebrating this weekend and saying, hey, we're bringing someone to our house. Someone's got to come here to beat us, to move on to the divisional round, which then, as Lions fans, you can say, one win away from one win a, one win away from an NFC Championship game, and God, that must feel amazing. Um, so yeah, you you get the home playoff game. We know how uh, how advantageous it has been for the Lions at home this year. So that is huge to get that done. Uh, th- probably the most important thing, Dave, that I took away from this weekend was the next two weeks. You're on cruise control. I know that the two seed, there is still possibilities for it. I'm not sure I'm not sure you need to be going for the two seed, in my opinion. I think sitting at the three is just fine. Get guys rested up. Can't lose anybody on that offensive line. You can't lose any of your stars right now. You certainly cannot lose Amon Ross St. Brown to some fluky injury. For me, you're playing these guys, but you're not giving them maximum reps. I'll put it that way, Dave. Uh, But as a fan this weekend, it means everything to the city. It means everything as a Lions fan. Absolutely. Crack your beers. Enjoy it.
0: There is a scenario where if the Lions win out, win these next two games, and the Niners lose a game, okay? So they play the Niners, just so Lions fans know, they play the Commanders this week, so they should win that game. But they finish against the Rams, who are going to be fighting for a playoff game. There's a scenario where the Lions go to Dallas and win and then beat a Minnesota team that's already out of it. I don't know. We'll have to see. But there's a scenario that your Detroit Lions are the one seed in the NFC. I know it's a long shot, but um, it's certainly not impossible. I, I guess what I will say right now, Brant, is shout-out Sheila Hamford. Look, I'm going to rewind Just, just a bit ago, just a few years ago where she comes in to an impossible, an impossible job and decides, yeah, we got to you know, clear. Now she was not perfect by any means. We talk about the Jeff Okuda pick, not getting rid of Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia early enough, whatever. But look, she gets rid of them. She brings in Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes. Obviously they, they hire Dan Campbell. I mean, that. That trio right there—I'm not going to say Rod Wood, but like that trio right there—they have done the unthinkable, and I don't want to skip over that. Um, Brad Holmes comes in to, you know, from from the LA Rams, and he's coming into an impossible job. Brant his first move is to trade the beloved franchise quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who this city absolutely loves. And it's about stocking draft capital at that, at that point. Now, some people are like, you know what? Tear it all down. I don't care. Others are like, dude, Stafford's the one good thing that we have going for us. And we don't ever draft well. Well, that was before this regime. And you look at this team and how Brad Holmes is drafted. I'll even just just go to the most recent draft. Okay? The Lions trade back. Right? They don't take Jalen Carter. And not only do they not take Jalen Carter, they don't get B. John Robinson, the clear-cut RB1 of this draft. They go and take Jameer Gibbs at number 12. And we're all like, what are you doing? You can't get that value for, for the second-best running back in this class at number 12. Brent, who's been the best running back in this rookie class? It's been Jameer Gibbs. And, and, and maybe that's to the fault of uh, Arthur Smith and the, how the Falcons use B. John Robinson. I think that's a huge piece of it. But the bottom line is they went and got a weapon that they knew. Maybe it wasn't the first few weeks of the season. okay? And I remember even sitting here and being like, hey, you draft this guy number 12. He better be able to immediately contribute. I remember being that guy. But as the season has gone on, guess who's an absolute integral part of this playoff run right now is Jameer Gibbs. OK, it's Brian Branch, it's Sam Laporta, it's the Amon St. Brown, third round draft pick a couple years ago. Absolute stud. OK, that offensive line is elite. We're seeing what it looks like when they're healthy and they're clicking. And that's the Brad Holmes vision. That's the Dan Campbell coaching. The culture change absolutely needed to happen. And I know we hear that word so many times in Detroit, but it needed to happen. You needed a coach to come in here. He may not have been the X's and O's coach that you're going to bring in. He was never going to be Bill Belichick, okay? But you know what he was? He was the culture setter, the tone setter. This is a head coach who played for this team in 2008 when they went 0-16. He knows what the city has been through. He knows how important it is to get this right. Not only did his words... Shocked people at first, kind of made some people laugh, like, easy, dude. Biting kneecaps, all of the stuff. We know what he said. He's delivered. Not only has he delivered a few times or in critical moments, he's delivered ahead of schedule. Brant, this is year three of this regime. They are the divisional champions for the first time in 30 years. They will host a home playoff game at Ford Field. And regardless of what happens, and I'm right there with you, regardless of what happens, this season is huge for this franchise. We are turning a page. We absolutely are turning a page. And look, the Lions, I don't change my take from a couple weeks ago. I think they are, they could beat anybody. They could beat anybody in the NFL right now. They could also lose to anybody and surprise us, okay? So we don't know. But do you love this team? I do. Do Lions fans love this team? They do. Nationwide, does America love the Lions? They absolutely do. And so, Brant, I am all in. I am thrilled for Lions fans everywhere. And I just don't want to miss this moment to say, Enjoy this. Like you said, crack a beer. Enjoy this moment. Like, this is big. It is. No, you haven't won a Super Bowl, okay? No, yet you, you haven't won an NFC championship or, or whatever. But you have done something that has not been done in 30 years. Enjoy it. Go ahead. Dave,
1: <clears throat> Michigan is America's team. I don't want you to forget that. Jim Harbaugh told me that. Um, no, I think... I think the point about Sheila Ford Hamp is uh, well taken and uh, a really good point by you because she actually put the right pieces in the right places and it, and it panned out beautifully and whatever happens in the future, whatever happens next year um, doesn't matter right now because to me, it's so, it's so easy to flip in the NFL. You can become from worst to first every single year, right? There's, there's different ways to do it, obviously. But um, this year, they feel like they went in to, to win um, the NFC North, and they, and they accomplished that. We go back to the trade deadline things where um, maybe they're not built for the Super Bowl right now because you just said you know they can win any game, they can lose any game. They didn't go all in at the trade deadline, so it feels like mission accomplished for this year to win the NFC North, and that's what they did, so, um, you know, hats off to the whole organization, and I don't think anybody's really ever said that about the Detroit Lions organization. Hats off to them.
0: And no, they haven't, and the last thing I'll say, and it's kind of the perfect segue to Michigan football is, look. Michigan up 30-24 against Ohio State as they march down the field and have Marvin Harrison Jr. making magic happen, and we're all sitting there like this. Oh, my God, here it comes. Up six, they're going to take it down the field, score a touchdown, kick, kick the extra point, and we will lose by one point. That Michigan team was different, is different. That program is different. Rod Moore gets that interception. That has not historically happened. The same thing happened to the Lions this weekend. Wasn't the the prettiest, best win in the world? They kept the Vikings in it, but they're up six. Justin Jefferson converting on like a third and twenty-six, something wild. Okay, but they come down with a with a game ceiling turnover that just. That hasn't happened, has not happened to this team, to this franchise ever. We're always on the other side of it where it's just heartbreak, okay? Um, This is different. This Lions team is different. Enjoy it. Soak it up because, man, years like this don't come around often, especially in this league where every win is hard to come by. Go Lions. Brant, I want to transition here to Michigan football, and I'm excited to talk about it, man. We are, what, today is Tuesday. I'm losing track of my track of my days here. Today is Tuesday. We are six days away from Michigan, taking on Alabama in the Rose Bowl, um, an iconic stadium event, you name it, um, taking on a big-time program, and we've got to dive into this game. So... Brant, I want to start with just Alabama's offense and how they match up with Michigan's defense. What worries you? What makes you feel good about um, Alabama's offense? How Michigan's defense stacks up with them? We'll start on that side of the football.
1: Dave, looking, to, looking at the matchups, Jalen Milroe will do one of two things. He will throw it over your head or he will run it on you. He does not want to play in between the hashes. He doesn't want to play over the middle. He doesn't want to throw intermediate passes. And the reason for that is he's not polished yet. He's not a dude that's going to throw into tight windows. If he does throw into tight windows, he's liable to get picked off. And I've seen it all year. Um, One of the things about Milrow is when I said that he'll throw it over the top, he'll complete it over the top. He actually has a pretty good completion percentage on the deep ball. Uh, so that's something that Michigan needs to be aware of, but this is a Michigan team that is kind of built to stop that. Um, you watched against Ohio state. How many deep balls did you see completed? Two, maybe three. I remember one to Cade Stover up the seam for 30 or 40 yards. And who can forget the Marvin Harrison one-handed pass interference? Like he's just an athletic freak. Top three pick. I get it. Um, But Michigan does not get beat on the deep ball very often. Corners are very good. Their nickel's very good. Their safeties are seasoned, and they're very good. I think where the disadvantage for Michigan is coming into this game is that linebacker, oddly enough. Junior Colson now has two broken hands. Have you heard that? Like, he's going to have two casts on maybe? That worries me. I don't need a guy chasing down Jalen Milrow that doesn't have the function of all his fingers. That scares me. Um, I don't need you trying to wrap up a guy that can run a 4 4 with two casts. Um, that is concerning to me. And while Junior Colson probably is our best linebacker, we are pretty deep at linebacker. So I think, Dave, that we need to be running in fresh bodies for this spy situation because you're going to have to spy. Um, you know, give up some of that middle coverage to make sure you're hanging out and, and making sure you're, you're keeping Jalen Milrow boxed in basically. Um, so Ernest Hausman is probably going to have to play a little bit in this game. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess they're going to have to go three linebackers, at least like on a, on a typical rotation, defensive ends, you have got to keep them in the pocket. Um, they're going to do some design run stuff and, You know, our defensive tackles are going to have to play really well um, to keep him from getting extra yards. But I I think the designed run stuff, those are kind of wins for Michigan. I think it's when the scramble situations happen that it could be a net loss for Michigan. So making sure that you do whatever you can to keep him in the pocket defensively for Michigan is going to be the name of the game. Because I don't think this Alabama offensive line can hold up with Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham all game. Rashawn Benny, I mean, I know they're going to be platooning for sure. And the defensive ends are going to be doing the same thing. You know, Jenkins is going to be in the middle too. So it's just going to be um, Michigan's defensive rotations are going to be key at linebacker and at defensive end and defensive line, Dave. I think that th- that's where this game comes into and making sure that guys are fresh to be able to make plays on Jalen Milrow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they don't, Alabama doesn't have, they don't have Calvin Ridley. They don't have Devontae Smith, Jameson Williams. Like they don't, they don't have these guys that they've historically had, but they do have Jermaine Burton who can definitely burn you downfield. And they do have Isaiah Bond who's a very good undersized receiver who's a very good like slot type of receiver. I think it's, it's going to, it's going to be a a challenge, but it's also not, Marvin Harrison Jr. or Emeka Ibuka or Julian Fleming, and and so you know, Kate Stover, like they've proven that they can they can defend that. Okay, they got to keep things in front of them though. Very similar to Ohio State, um, yeah. Keeping Jalen Milrow in the pocket is a is a dream scenario. It's going to be difficult to do. They're going to draw up things Michigan has not seen a quarterback like Jalen Milrow this year. They have not. Um, they have historically struggled with mobile quarterbacks and we will we'll see for the first time what that looks like on on january 1st um i do i think jalen Milroe is the the next I don't, lamar jackson no i i don't um but i think he's very good i think he keeps plays alive with his feet see the the auburn game right and the <laughs> hail mary chuck down the field um Michigan needs to play their best defensive game. And and this is not an Alabama team that's going to hang 40 points on you. That's not what they're built to do. In fact, they're built defensively, which almost concerns me a little bit more. I do know that they're starting running back. I forget the kid's name. He's been out. They're, they're supposed Chase to get McClellan. him. Chase McCollum. thank you. Um, they're supposed to get him back. Um, but, look, I, I think that... Alabama has, and I, I don't know this kid's name, but they've started a true freshman at left tackle all year and just doing my homework with them. And he struggled early on this year. He's like a mammoth, like six foot seven, 350 pounds or something crazy. Caden um, Proctor is his name. C- Caden Proctor. Thank you. And. He's gotten a heck of a lot better. I mean, this kid will probably be a first-round draft pick right when all is said and done, but he's a true freshman. And I think most Alabama fans would tell you, you're going to get some sacks against Alabama. Jalen Milroe has a tendency to hold onto the football just a little bit too long, tries to make plays that aren't always there, and Michigan needs to absolutely feast when those moments happen. Um, and do I think that they're up to the challenge? I do. I, I, I do. My one pause for concern is that this defense, we just literally won't know. Like we think we know, Brant. Like we think we can name the dudes on our team that are like, yep, they they, they will show up. Jalen Harrell's going to make a play like all of that. But what we have not seen is a quarterback like Jalen Melrose. We just haven't. And I know that you've given me a little bit of a hard time Be like, dude, you're so high on Jalen Milrow. I'm just saying he is just that type of quarterback that can absolutely burn you. He can also be turnover prone, like you mentioned. And so there's a possibility he's going to throw a couple of interceptions. And normally when that happens against Michigan football, you can win the game. OK, as long as you are playing mistake free football and playing your brand of football, you know, it's it, it's quite possible you, you win this game, but it's not going to be any easy task. Brand, I want to flip to the other side of the football. Alabama's defense against Michigan's offense. What sticks out to you? What do you like? What don't you like?
1: Um, Dave, I'll, I want to just finish real quick on that point that you had said uh, about Jalen Monroe, maybe being a different kind of quarterback. If you're a Michigan fan, he is similar He's bigger than Talia Tagovailoa, but he is similar. Talia is actually a better passer of the football than Jalen Milrow is, but they they both kind of have that escapability, that, that maneuverability, if you will. Um, and Talia gave gave Michigan some problems. Um, he likes to throw the deep ball, you know, but what was the thing that we knew about him? He will also turn it over, and that is the same thing Dave was trying to convey to everybody is, you know, If he gives you a chance to take the ball, you have to take the ball. There can't be any, oh, man, I I just slipped through my hands type situations. Not against Alabama. Um, Anyway, uh, I like on offense, um, I like our tight ends. You know, I I think there has to be two tight end sets in this game. I think that you're really going to have to use Barner and Loveland over the middle. You're going to have to match them up against – Uh, linebackers, and you're going to have to try to have them on drags, and you're going to have to try to get those guys the ball in space because I don't think you're going to get much from the outside. Um, Michigan doesn't typically get stuff from the outside anyway. That's not something that Michigan's ever hung their hat on, was go routes and uh, sluggos and and stuff like that. That's not something that Michigan uh, wants to operate. And and if Kool-Aid McKinstry is on an island out there against Cornelius Johnson or Roman Wilson or whatever, more power to them. I I don't care about that. Um, I, I, I think that they have the advantage in the secondary against our receivers, certainly. Um, so Michigan needs to operate between the tackles running the ball and they also have to operate with the tight ends. And I think that plays well for JJ getting into a rhythm and then looking for his shots on the outside. If there are any to be had, uh, the one thing that we've noticed as Michigan fans, Dave, I know you and I have talked about this. JJ in rhythm, JJ comfortable, is a different type of JJ. And when he's forcing things, he looks odd and, and out of place. And how many close calls have we seen this year, um, Dave, with the, with the pass to uh, Roman Wilson uh, against Nebraska, right? Kind of, a, kind of a gross ball that he catches on the back of a guy's head. Um, the throw against Ohio State kind of (laughs) a close call to be sure. Um, It's stuff like that where I don't think JJ has to do stuff like that. I think he does stuff like that because he knows he can. In this type of game, you you don't need to do stuff like that. I think you look for the possession receivers. I think you look for the stuff that's there. Alabama's going to give you, five yard routes, 10 yard routes, whatever it is, they're going to give up some stuff and you're going to have to be patient enough to do it. And Michigan is also going to have to work in the run game with JJ. And I know that you'll probably hit on that too. Dave. Is using JJ's legs is going to be absolutely critical in this game. And if that isn't the most obvious thing, we thing we've ever said on the podcast, and I don't know what is, um, but it goes back to, was he not healthy against Ohio state? Cause they didn't really do it against Ohio state. You know, they didn't really, they did it a couple times against Penn State, but he got injured. Um, haven't really seen it too much this year, Dave. Do you think that they're holding on to that? Um, you know, what do you like on offense here?
0: I'll save the answer to that that question for the third segment here, because I, I want to get into that a, a, a little bit in terms of just Michigan football as a, as a whole. Um, I think that Yeah, JJ is going to need to be the most mobile he's ever been to, to just be, to unlock an element of this offense that we know is, we know it's there, um, but we just haven't seen it utilized. And part of that is the injury to JJ against Penn State and how the last part of the season has shaken out. Um, But Yeah, you're going to need J.J. at his best to be mobile, to be throwing on the run, to lock in with those tight ends. You named it Brant, Colson Loveland with A.J. Barner. I also think they've got to get Donovan Edwards involved. Um, Look, I don't know how successful you're going to be running the football with, with Blake Corum. I mean, I'm not saying that Alabama's defense or like up front is outstanding, but look, you've got You've got Dallas Turner there. You've got Chris Braswell that are, I mean, you're talking about first round draft picks, right? And so um, I don't know how much of the run game is going to be open. I think you can run the football on Alabama. I do. I think you've got to get creative with how you're going to use a weapon like Donovan Edwards, who we know can be a weapon, but we haven't necessarily seen that this year. And so where Alabama has struggled this year, in my opinion, has been when guys are put in motion. And so, line line down up back there with Blake toss him in motion get him a mismatch on a linebacker get him a mismatch on a safety and I forget the uh their safety's uh named another true freshman kid but he's unbelievable he's returning punts for him now um he's like next up there but still those mismatches I think will be absolutely critical and 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 look that's on Jerome Moore to dial this up this is what we've been asking for these last few weeks where Michigan has historically not been good is when they take a break in football and then they come and they need to show up in January or on new year's Eve and it just hasn't boded well. So what are you doing differently? Well, that's on this coaching staff. That's on Sharon Moore. That's on Jesse Minter to be as prepared as he possibly can be for a quarterback like Jalen Milrow. And yes, if things are all clicking I think Michigan has a very good chance, but it's not going to be easy at all. Like, people will say this is not an elite Bama team. Look, outside of one misstep against Texas, they've been pretty dang good. Um, And and they took down the Giant in in Georgia. And, um, yes, we know that they struggled against Auburn. We know they struggled against South Florida. We we know this stuff. But you know what? They've won all those games. And – that's just that's how it works in in the in this business, and so I look at Kool Aid McKinstry, I look at Terry and Arnold opposite side him. I'm I'm looking at just the the secondary and saying, and I'm for, like I said, I'm forgetting the uh, true freshman safety's name, but this is gonna be the best secondary that Michigan has faced. Insert Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell. It is not going to be easy, but I think what unlocks the potential of this offense is going to be JJ McCarthy. He's experienced, he is seasoned, and I I think that the the biggest X factor in all of this, Brant, and then we can transition to the next segment, is the Michigan offensive line. I think that they have to hold their own because, Brant, if they – you cannot get into what happened against Penn State. You can run the football and put every guy on the line and bully Penn State to a win. You can't do that against the SEC. You can't do that against Alabama. It's just, it's not going to work, okay? This offensive line, like, they can't collapse early on against Braswell and Turner and be like, look, now this is Chop Robinson and whatever, against Penn State, where they were just like, we're not going to do this. We're just going to bully our way in. Well, Brandt, that works in the Big Ten. It does not work in these games. And so Michigan's going to have to be on their A-plus game to win this one. I think it will be close. Um, but I want to get into this next segment, Brand. just talk about what it means for the program. So as we know, Michigan for the last three years hey, are now – Big 10 champions, they beat Ohio State, they are entering the college football playoff. The last two years have not gone well. Now look, 2021, I don't think anybody can argue what what that Georgia team was. You know, historically one of the best defenses of of all time, Stetson Bennett, we we know the story, okay? James Cook, all of those guys. Last year, TCU, they had their layup, we've talked about it before. They absolutely step, they step on their own foot, can't get it done, and come to another loss. So for the third year in a row, Michigan is in this position. Brant, I want to know your thoughts on not only, and I know we've talked about this before, is the season a failure if they don't beat Alabama, if they don't win a college football playoff game? but I want to know your level important your level of importance right now for Michigan to win this football game in just a matter of days I'll
1: go seven Dave <clears throat> yeah I mean I, I think you're looking out of 10 here right I would say that's probably what you're going for okay so I would say seven out of ten importance wise <clears throat> um and I put a seven on it because I think next year a lot of things are going to change this offseason Michigan's is going to be a perennial playoff contender, uh, whether it's with nine wins or whether it's with 10 wins or whatever it's going to take to get there. Uh, it's going to be a tougher big 10, obviously, but Michigan is going to be in a 12 team playoff. Nine out of 10 years is my guess, Dave, uh, at bare minimum, they better be there eight out of 10 times. Uh, so this, 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 Going to the and, – and this is the other part of it, Dave. Going to the playoff for the last two years, have you seen a change in recruiting rankings? Because I haven't. There's not been an uptick there. Michigan hasn't needed to make the playoffs to field a good team. It, they fielded a good team and then made the playoffs. You know, it, it doesn't work the other way around. Um, Michigan's program is steady. They are consistent right now. They bring in high school talent. They develop them, and they plug holes with the transfer portal. Really how every other program should be doing it. Um, NIL seems to be where it needs to be. Um, I'm not advocating to pay high school players, and I don't think other programs should be. That's how Miami does it. Miami wins five games a year. Um, I have no interest in that. I think that Michigan's doing things the right way. Sure, we cheat to win. I don't care. Um, But... (laughs) That's, that's a little joke there for you, Dave. Um, but it, it comes back to the fact of this program is not defined by this game. You don't win three straight Big Ten championships and look at this team or look at these coaches and say they're failures. They didn't win a national championship. That's not how that works. You don't you don't call Georgia's season this year a complete failure because they lost to Alabama in an SEC championship game by three. Um that's just not how the college football world should work. So um, I think if, if Michigan goes on to lose this game, I think they'll look at it and say, that's very disappointing. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, but it's Alabama at the end of the day. Alabama had the number one ranked class last year, Dave. So um, you talked about all the true freshmen that make a difference for them. And there's good reason. They're great players. There's great players that play for the Crimson Tide. We're not immune to that. We've seen it for years. Dave, Nick Saban has had a staple program for the last 15 to 20 years. He's done a great job. Um, but that's where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to Alabama status. Michigan is not at a, a tier one, uh, tier one, A plus territory right now. They don't recruit with Georgia. They don't recruit with Alabama. They don't recruit with Ohio State. Um, Those teams are perennially great because they recruit so well. We don't recruit as good as LSU, um, and these are just facts. So Michigan has to develop players, so I don't think that our program is defined by a win or loss on New Year's Day. Now, let me talk quickly about what a win would mean. A win would go a long way in these kids' careers as Michigan football players, and I want it for them as bad as I'm sure they want it for themselves because – Guys like Blake Corum, guys like J.J. McCarthy, guys like Trevor Keegan, you know, Zach Center's not going to play, but guys like him, guys like Chris Jenkins that stay in a program and they grind away and they find ways to win ball ballgames. Um, it just goes it goes to show and validate everything that they've done in their career. A Big Ten championship is great, but these kids have seen it before. They need to be hungry for the next step, and that's where it comes into um Getting to a national championship would change those kids' lives forever, basically, Dave. Uh, and, and I really want it for those kids, and I hope that the coaching staff does right by them. You touched on it a little bit. I don't, I don't think this coaching staff is all together next year for multiple different reasons. But I think there is going to be some sort of shakeup. There is going to be a breakup. Um, this is three years of a culmination of work. When you lose to Georgia, we kind of sat around and said, "Well, they were the better team. This sucks." but we were happy to be invited. Thanks for the party um, against TCU. That was the utter definition of all Michigan fans collectively being pissed. Like you were very upset at that, that loss because that was a game you shouldn't have lost this year. If you lose to Alabama, I think the word I would use is disappointed. Um, and none of those go along with the terms of being happy. So uh, I think at the end of the day, that to have good vibes in this program, you obviously have to win the game, but that goes into next year and it goes into the year after that if you can get to the national championship, Dave. So it will go a long way for the culture of the program, but I think I don't think the culture is defined by a loss on Monday night.
0: So I got to disagree with you, Brant. I feel like, I mean, you you mentioned like, was, was this a... a a disappointment or a failure of a season for Georgia. And you said, no, I think if you ask all Georgia fans, they're going to tell you absolutely. Yes. Because they don't care about an sec championship or anything. They're on a different tier. They're competing for national championships. And this is the difference right now with this Michigan football program in the step that they need to take. And you're right, Brant, they're going to expand to 12 teams next year. There's a high likelihood that Michigan should be a perennial contender for that 12 team playoff. But Michigan has also been a perennial failure in the postseason to win any of these games, so who am I to believe that Michigan is going to face Tennessee next year in a 12-team playoff and beat them? I don't have confidence that that's going to happen until I see it done in six days. And I just want to reiterate the importance of them winning this game, because if Michigan is who we think they are and who we think they've been and everything that you said about recruiting is 100% spot on. Those are facts, as you said, but we're about to find out whether the Michigan recipe works or not. We know it works in the big 10. Brant, the big 10 was one of the worst conferences in all of college football this year. Not There's no argument in that. And the Power Five, they were horrible. Look at Michigan versus Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. An absolute embarrassment to the Big Ten. Okay? Who did they beat? Penn State? Ohio State? I don't know. Is, is, does Penn State go and beat Georgia? Do they beat Alabama? Like, no. They, it's, not they, my, they,
1: it's not my fault that they don't play anybody in the non-conference. I, I, they I understand. With the poll. They should play someone with the poll So your point would be a little less valid because if we knew who they would have played in the, like if you would have played Oregon state in the non-con, we would at least know more about this team in a game that isn't in the big 10.
0: Sure. But, but the bottom line is that we don't, we think we know, and this is kind of my point. We think we know that this is, and you could, I think you could ask any Michigan fan in, in the last 20 plus years, this is the best Michigan football team that they have marched out onto the football field. And so with that being the precedent and that being the starting point, they're playing an Alabama team that we all agree is not the historically best Alabama team that they're going to play. But yet here we are saying, I don't know, though, it's Bama and it's recruiting and all. Well, when when does that tie change then? Okay. Because they've got to do it this year, especially as we're talking about conference expansion, college football playoff expansion. It, the road isn't getting any easier, okay? And so Michigan absolutely has to win this game. I don't care about the name Jalen Milrow, about Dallas Turner, about any of these guys. Michigan has no excuse to not go in and win this game. If Mikey Sainer still, if Chris Jenkins, if all of these guys that we're like, okay, They're not the five-star guys. They're the guys who are built in-house in the program. Well, we're about to find out, Michigan fans. We're going to find out if that recipe works or not. Because the first two years, the first year seems like, okay, like you said, we were just happy to be invited. Like, we get it. We're not ready yet. Last year was unacceptable. Third year in a row, and you're going to tell me that this is the best Michigan football team that we've marched out on that field in 25 years, and we're somehow like, eh. It's not a disappointment if you can't beat Alabama, you can't be Alabama. This is not the Bama that we have seen year in and year out. I want no excuses from, from this team, this program. I don't want to hear, I don't want to be talking a week from today and say, look, we just weren't quite there yet. Okay. If that's the conversation that I'm going to be like, so, so what is the recipe is, is, is the goal to win the big 10? For the rest of our lives, like, is that the goal or is the goal to win a national championship? And I think that's the question that Michigan fans have to ask themselves. What is the goal? Because I've moved the, I've moved the goalposts for me personally. I'm happy with the season. I love beating Ohio state. I love winning a big 10 championship. Don't get me wrong. But for me, it ain't good enough. You've got to win this game. You've got to win it. It doesn't need to be emphatically. I'm not asking you to go in and blow out Alabama in the Rose Bowl. But you gotta win this game. It's critical for this program. Go ahead, Brant.
1: Does that mean you're a ten? Cause that felt like because uh, <laughs> that felt
0: like Go ahead you and put me at, at eleven. <laughs> put me at an eleven.
1: Dave, um I do wanna ask you a question. I, I didn't put this in our agenda or anything, but What matchup do you like more for Michigan? Do you like the matchup on offense against their defense, or do you like our defense against their offense more?
0: That's a great question. I like our offense against their defense a little bit more because I think that while their secondary is the most elite secondary that we're going to face this year and have faced all year, um, that's not Michigan's game anyway. We're, we're not trying to, to throw the bombs downfield and all that. I think it's the stuff across the middle that just can be the bread and butter. I think we'll be able to run the football. Maybe not as good as we've seen all year, but I think we can do what Michigan's been wanting to do all year with a little bit of sprinkle of J.J. on his legs. I like that matchup a lot more, versus, and I know that's crazy to say because the strength of this team is our defense. I just don't know yet how this defense stacks up against a quarterback like Jalen Milrow. What about you, Brant, and then let's transition to the bets?
1: I actually, I, I love Michigan's defense in this matchup. I think maybe Jalen Mil- Milrow will pop a couple plays, but I don't see sustained drives against Michigan. This is not, you talked about the offensive line, Dave. Their offensive line is not intimidating. It looked really good against Georgia and had, you know, good for them. <clears throat> they got whipped against Auburn, and Auburn is not very good. So they've had up and down games this season, but they're not going to come out there and ball out for sixty minutes. You are going to have opportunities to make plays. And Michigan, you've got to take chance. You've got to make your own luck in this game. You have got to come down with that right interception. You've got to recover the fumble. You've got to, you've got to sack Milrow when you've got a chance to sack him. Like those are the types of plays, Dave, that you talked about about taking that next step as being that program that is expected to win games like these. Um, Just would be like it would be nice to know in September when you actually play somebody with a pulse um, that you are actually validated as good. Because uh right now we don't know. And and to your point, I, I got you there.
0: Absolutely. All right, man. Get us on out of here with the bets.
1: Dave, let's start with the cotton bowl. I'm intrigued by this matchup. I actually love this matchup with Kyle McCord coming out. Uh, transferring to Syracuse. Uh, Marvin Harrison looks like he might be the only opt-out. I I don't know for sure. I haven't heard about JTT status or anything like that, but I know Jack Sawyer is going to play. Travion Henderson has already came out and said he's going to play. All their linebackers are playing. Like Mecca Buka said he's going to play. So Dave, Missouri is a a one-and-a-half-point underdog against Ohio State starting Devin Brown. Do you like Ohio State basically in a pick
0: I'll take Missouri there. If if Marvin Harrison Jr. is not playing and uh, their starting quarterback has already transferred to, to Syracuse, um, I'll take Missouri. What about you?
1: I actually love this matchup for uh, Missouri. Now that you get Devin Brown freshly in there, I um, Let me tell you how Ohio Ohio State can lose this game. This is a no-win scenario. Imagine Devin Brown goes out and balls out and looks amazing and throws four touchdowns and plays on a clean sheet. How does that look for Ryan Day, who sat him behind Kyle McCord all year? That's a no-win scenario for our friend Ryan Day. So either way, um, I'm going to roll with Ohio State. I think they still are – Way more talented than Missouri. Uh, Luther Burden is an absolute problem. Uh, he's going to be a high-round draft pick. Don't worry about him. Um, for He plays for Missouri. But um, I, I like Ohio State to clear the one-and-a-half, Dave. All right, let's move on to – I, I want to talk about this game, Georgia and Florida State. Um, there may not be much to talk about here, Dave, but Georgia is favored by 17-and-a-half in a New Year's Six Bowl against another Power Five team. Who do you like in this game?
0: I'll take Florida state plus 17 and a half. And it's based on their defense. I think it's a championship level defense and uh, yeah, I think they've got a lot to play for and prove. I don't think they beat Georgia by any means, but um, they're going to have somewhat of a statement to say, look, you're going to leave us out of here. I think they keep it within at least a couple of touchdowns and that will be good enough to kind of, you know, stick it to the committee, if you will. What about you?
1: Georgia, Georgia by 30. Uh, I, I think that this thing gets out of hand, uh, third string quarterback, freshman quarterback playing for Florida state championship level defense or not, Dave, Jared versus isn't going to play. Uh, he's a game wrecker. And I think that really hampers uh, Florida state's chances in this game. Um, all right. let's do Texas and Washington, the late night game, I believe it's the sugar bowl, right? Um, gets played down in Louisiana, uh, Texas favored by four and a half. This is a funky line. What do you think about it?
0: Yeah, I think Texas is the better team here. I'm going to take them to cover four and a half. Um, I, I I just think that they match up well, and, and their interior defense is good, too, up front. Um, I'm going to take Texas to cover. I do know, like, man, Michael Penix Jr. is a dog. Those wide receivers are potential first, second-round draft picks. Um, I think Texas is uh, – I think they're ready, though. I do. I think they're ready for, for this moment. They've got enough weapons on offense and defense to uh, to cover four and a half. What about you?
1: Give me the points here. Dave, when we bet all this year, two took close teams like this, if I'm going to grab four and a half, I love that. Um, Michael Penix will make enough plays, I think, to keep this close. I can see Texas winning by a field goal, and and I like that as I'm – as a better. So I will take Washington with the four and a half flirting with them outright though. I could definitely see Washington winning this game. I think Oregon may be better than Texas. I I, I just don't know about Texas's injuries. You know, they're going through attrition as well. Their secondary is not very good, but we will see. Um, uh, okay. So we're on opposite sides there. Let's get to the game. Alabama-Michigan, and I don't want you to just pick Michigan to cover one and a half. I need a score prediction from you, too.
0: I think Michigan wins this game 24-23, and it will be very close. I will take Alabama plus one and a half, but I think Michigan wins this one in a super tight, not ultra-low scoring but a fairly low scoring game definitely not going to be a you know dropping 40 45 points anything like that um i'm going to say 24 23 michigan what about you
1: i'm going to go 34 27 michigan um i like it to be a little more high scoring than you uh i don't know why i feel like this thing's going to head to overtime i just have a weird feeling about this game and
0: my heart cannot handle that <laughs>
1: The sun setting and the Rose Bowl and all it means um, to to us as kids growing up um, watching this game. Actually, I just rewatched the uh, Texas, um, the Texas, Michigan Rose Bowl. That was a really cool watch, man. I forgot how good Braylon Edwards was. Just an absolute
0: monster. That was Vince Young, too, right?
1: Oh, yeah. That was obviously Vince Young um, who kind of torched Michigan at the end. but. That was Vince Young before he did what he did to USC. So, um, you know, Michigan has had some classics out there. They've also had some duds. So we will see what happens out there in the Rose Bowl. Either way, Dave, I hope you watch it with your family. I hope you watch it with some friends. I hope you get to enjoy it. Um, I know I will be. Unfortunately, they threw it on a Monday this year, and I have to go to back work Tuesday. So not super excited about that, but it is what it is, man
0: absolutely man hopefully we are coming back next week on the podcast talking about michigan playing for a national championship but uh we shall see thank you for sticking with us season three episode 20 here on garage takes hop over to that youtube channel hit the subscribe button we greatly appreciate you guys and we will see you next time merry christmas happy new year powered by riverside